to the Women in Diplomacy podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Sumnick, and our guest for this episode is Courtney Emerson. She is co-founder and chief operating officer of the All In Together campaign. Welcome, Courtney. Hey, Kelsey. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks so much for coming on. I'm really excited to have you as a guest because you have been a peer mentor in my own life and i'm really excited about what you're doing with all in together it's one of the few organizations doing what you are doing um but also what i like about it is that you guys provide a lot of resources especially for young women so can you tell us a little bit about what is all in together of course. Uh, so All In Together is a nonpartisan nonprofit. And our goal really is to ensure that women have the tools, the community, and the resources they need to fully participate in political life and to close the gender gaps that we see in the U.S., but also around the world around civic and political engagement. So we are working to empower women to engage politically, basically post-voting and pre-running for office. So everything that you might be doing in between those those two things, uh, we are there to support, to provide information and actionable tools for people to make their voice heard. So exciting. Where can we learn more about AIT? So you can learn more on our website, which is aitogether.org. We also are on almost every form of social media outside of Snapchat. So we're on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. So also encourage you to check those resources out as well. We're constantly posting different uh, articles and resources on those platforms as well. So one thing we talked about is the Women in Diplomacy audience is a global one. And I know that you're not an international organization, but again, I believe so much in what you're doing and I still think you guys are an important organization doing work nationally that can definitely apply to you know kind of the bigger picture. Certainly and thanks for bringing that up. We we do focus on American women and especially when it comes to advocacy and citizen engagement that can look different and the most effective tactics and strategies can look different depending on your form of government and where you live. Um, but certainly also think that there are some universal tips and tactics that everyone can use to be a more uh, effective citizen. And actually, now that you mentioned it, we are talking about doing some international forums starting in 2018 in Europe uh, and potentially Asia and the Middle East as well. So stay tuned. We're, we're domestically focused in the U.S. for now, but maybe expanding that mission uh, in the next couple months. Okay, very cool. So All In Together is the place to be and and the (laughs) social media to watch. So one of the exciting things that inspired us to do this episode together this week is that on Saturday, April 22nd, in New York City, you are hosting a workshop. It's called Mindful Advocacy, Tools and Strategies to Becoming an Effective and Lifelong Citizen Advocate. Tell us about this. Yeah, absolutely. So in addition to being a mouthful of a title for a workshop, which I just realized (laughs) as you were saying that, um, this workshop was really born out of the frustration that a lot of our members are feeling and anxiety in a way of 
going on Facebook and seeing all of these calls to action, you know, call your senator, sign this petition, join this march, whatever it might be, and people really feeling overwhelmed. And what we're hearing, rather than being energizing and and exciting consistently, it really started to become uh, quite overwhelming for people where they were just tuning out. And so this workshop is really focused on what does mindful advocacy look like? How can we engage in political and civic life in a way that is sustainable, not just for the next four years, regardless of your political affiliation, but over our entire lives? And how can we make sure that this is built in uh, where it's as natural perhaps as you know, working out or uh, taking your vitamins or you know, getting up and going to work in the morning? How do we make sure this is a part of our lives uh, on a day-to-day basis and not just uh, something that we are thinking about, um, you know, at specific intervals and, you know, only when our party is or isn't in office. And so thinking about how can we make sure that people really have the tools and the roadmaps they need to engage sustainably. And this is just one in a series of workshops that we have coming up over the next couple months. So as you mentioned, that session is on a Saturday, uh, at late morning in New York City, but we also have workshops in San Francisco. We've done workshops in Boston, um, and we really are working to bring this around the country and, and actually have a webinar as well on May 9th. So if you're in none of those locations, can still have an opportunity to better understand what our government structure looks like, who represents you at the federal level, at the local level, at the state level, and how can you engage with them in meaningful ways that allow you to have influence and agencies, agency, excuse me, on the issue that you care about most. Very exciting. And where's the spot to go? Um, Do we reserve tickets on Eventbrite? So yes, we do have a registration page on Eventbrite, but if you go to our website, aitogether.org, there's an events tab and all of our upcoming events can be found there with registration links, location. uh, And actually, if you become a member of All In Together, which is just a cost for a 12 month membership, most of these workshops are free uh, as part of membership. So definitely if you think that you would like to attend a few workshops or events that we have coming up, uh, encourage you to check out membership. It's definitely a great way to get more involved. Courtney, why are women important right now in the year 2017? Why should we attend this workshop? Yeah, so many of you might have seen research that came out last week uh, looking at the dynamics in terms of who's talking uh, and who's being interrupted on the Supreme Court. And what the research found is even on the Supreme Court, so the highest level uh, that you can really achieve as a legal thinker in this country, women on the Supreme Court were still three times more likely to be interrupted than their male, male counterparts. It is totally bananas and it is crazy that even in that sphere, uh, in that type of dominance and power that still happens, but it does. Uh, And, you know, that's really important because interruption is sort of this verbal dominance um, and interruption, of course, means that the ideas that the female justices were putting forward were going unaddressed or perhaps unheard. And that's a, you know, this idea of voice is not just a nice to have, it's not just oh, wouldn't it be great if? It is absolutely critical and we're still facing and seeing these gaps and challenges at every single level of our society. And so uh, that to me was just, wow, we have so much work to do in this space. 
What sort of topics do you cover in the workshop? The first thing that we always talk about is the the gaps that we see in civic and political life between men and women. And really what we're talking about is a gap around voice. So while women are more likely to vote than men, and actually women have outvoted men in every presidential election since 1980. In other words, women have American women have turned every election since 1980. There is a disconnect around voice. And in fact, before this election cycle, and we'll see what happens with this renewed energy and focus around engagement in political life. But prior to this election, uh, public officials received approximately 2 million fewer letters and phone calls from women than from men every year. So representatives in Congress were receiving, on average, 2 million more letters and phone calls from men. That's a huge difference. I mean, take out of the equation for a second the fact that we are certainly very far from parity in actual representation in terms of our senators and our members of Congress. This is just who members are hearing from. And if they're not hearing from women, they can't effectively or adequately represent the interests of American women. Uh, another example is the huge gap in op-ed submissions. In looking at the major news outlets, women only submit around 10% of op-eds. And that's not even who's being published. Those are just submissions. And so these are all really important ways that um, people make their opinions heard, they make their voices heard. Members of Congress certainly read op-ed pages of local papers. And if they're not seeing the opinions and perspectives of women reflected there, then that's a huge missed opportunity. So the first piece is just is talking about the discrepancies in voice and, and why that really matters. And then, you know, doing a refresher of civics. So kind of a civics 101. Many of us haven't had a civics lesson since middle school, if then. Really understanding on a deeper level how government works, who's there to represent you, when to engage with local versus federal government uh, are really important. And we're often embarrassed to admit that we don't understand exactly what that framework looks like and the most effective ways to advocate and engage. But uh, certainly an area that we think is really important to, to focus on. And then the third is thinking about how you can be a, an effective advocate on behalf of the issues that you care about. And going back to this idea of sustainable and mindful advocacy, it is really important to not feel that you have to be an agent of change on behalf of every issue that you care about. First of all, it's, it's impossible. We also, many of us have limited time. A lot of us are not um, working in government or working in politics. And so how can we sort of as average citizens ensure that our voice is heard? And the way to do that is to really zero in on the one or two issues that you have the most personal experience or professional expertise on and to really commit to those and start to engage with government and with your representatives and their staff in a different way. What people don't um, really know is that members of Congress, their staff tend to be very junior, you know, first job out of college, they're 22, 23, 24. And so while they're highly effective, they're very busy, they don't necessarily know or have a lot of expertise on all of the issues they're engaging on. And so having a constituent to reach out and say, hey, I'm, uh, you know, I used to be an ambassador or I'm a veteran or, uh, you know, I've, I've done a lot of research on the challenges that women and girls face in urban areas, whatever it might be, you can become an instrumental uh, part of how they think about issues and really someone they call on when a specific bill or issue is coming up to vote. Yes, and I think this is where Women in Diplomacy listeners 
come in because we have had experience abroad or we have had, had experience working on particular foreign policies. So we should not be afraid to use our voices. Absolutely. And, you know, the research shows that the way we can be most effective advocates is really in-person conversations with our members of Congress and with their staff. And the only time that we're going to have that kind of access is through building relationships and being a source of expertise and insight. And we can do that best when we're leveraging our own personal experiences or professional um, expertise. So absolutely, as you said, for the listeners who do have expertise in diplomacy or foreign affairs, being able to leverage that and provide that as support to a member of Congress and their staff can be invaluable. So for those that can't attend or for those who want to prepare to be fired up to go into your workshops, are you able to give us a little preview? What are some of your top advocacy tips? The first thing I would say is ensure information comes to you. We're all really busy. We have personal lives and professional lives. So one tip, for example, is if you have thought about calling Congress to share your opinion or have done that in the past, that can be a really effective form of advocacy. So just putting your representatives' offices numbers in your cell phone so you have it handy, so it's accessible. So the next time you hear of a bill or issue that's coming up to vote, you can just open up your cell phone and call their office and make your opinion heard. That's just one way that we're taking out a step uh, you'd have to take to find their number or information. Similarly, you can create a Google News alert with their name and an issue that you care about or a bill that's coming up just so then you're not searching for an update on this issue it's coming right to your inbox the second tip i would say is to lead with your expertise to build relationships with your representatives and their staff so we talked about this a little bit earlier but if again you can call and say hey i have an opinion on this and here's why my opinion matters it's because i've personally experienced this or i've studied this for the past 20 years or I, uh, you know, whatever it might be, you can become a go-to for them for insight on that particular particular issue, and uh, are much more likely to help convince them that this is something that they should rely on you for your expertise or your experience. And the third is a little bit unusual, but because we are a, a nonpartisan organization. It is really, really important to find people, in fact, to seek them out, people who disagree with you. And when you do, try your best to move from certainty to curiosity. You know, we can only be an effective, effective advocate on behalf of the issues we care about if we deeply understand the perspective of the other side. Otherwise, we're missing, you know, a huge part of what it would take to, to get our opinion or perspective across. So working to become really effective listeners can be powerful, asking open questions, getting people to share their experience because you know, we all bring our life journeys and our experiences to bear when it comes to how we think about the issues that matter most to us uh, and really asking open-ended questions. So saying, hey, Kelsey, what do you think about that versus, hey, don't you think that this is a terrible thing? One of those clearly is a better way to enter a real conversation, a learning-oriented conversation with someone else um, versus the other. So trying to really deeply understand the other side makes you a better advocate, but also gives you a more nuanced perspective uh, of the issues that you care about. Beautiful. And if that's not a call to use our 
diplomacy skills, I don't know what is. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so before we go and we all rush to our computers to sign up for your amazing workshops, <laughs> um, I want to hear a little bit about you. One really cool thing, Courtney, is that you are a co-founder of the All In Together campaign and you've had an extensive career in advocacy all before you were 30. So can you tell us a little bit about your journey? Yeah, and being on the other side of 30 now, um, definitely a different perspective. But so I uh, co-founded the All In Together campaign when I was 27. And before that, I had been a consultant at a think tank that did research looking at the barriers to underrepresented groups in leadership. So in the private sector, why do we not have an equal playing field for women, for people of color, for LGBTQ employees, for veterans? And then in 2013, I think it was, Sheryl Sandberg's book came out, Lean In, and having been a politics major in college was sort of shocked to see that there was nothing about politics or political engagement at all uh, in the book. And, you know, having studied women's movements in the 70s, where political engagement and equity in political life was such a core part of their work and their vision, to see that have completely dropped off the map in this new narrative around women's leadership in the United States um, was really disappointing to me. And so it was one of the situations where I'm, I'm not naturally an entrepreneur. I'm pretty risk averse. And I had a lot of conversations about people with people saying, hey, like, I'm in this great job, but I can't stop thinking about, you know, this really important narrative that women should be hearing about the importance of civic engagement in the United States. And, you know, meanwhile, doing research and seeing all finding all these gaps and seeing these barriers and challenges. Um, and people kind of saying, no, like that's maybe do it in your spare time. That's not the best idea. But it was really this moment where like I could not sleep at night thinking about this. I finally was like, I have to at least try. So I left my job um, after about six months doing all in together on the side after, uh, after that period of time, left my job to co-found with uh, a woman that I'd actually worked with at my previous job as well. So it was definitely... Um, a follow your heart and not your head moment. But, you know, three years later, this has become a really relevant conversation in ways that we couldn't have foreseen um, a few years ago. So uh, the world moves in mysterious ways, <laughs> as they say. What do you wish that you knew around age 20 when you graduated, you know, as a fresh graduate from college with your politics degree? You know, I think so much of the narrative around how to succeed in school, um, you know, follow the rules, do your work, put your head down, is not necessarily what sets us up for success after school. And I wish that I had known a little bit more, been more aware of the fact that relationship building and following people, not necessarily jobs, is a really important way to um, to think about your career. And I think I underestimated the importance of relationships while I was in school and, you know, had built relationships, great relationships with professors while I was in school, didn't necessarily do a great job of keeping those relationships up the, the first few years after school. And I wish I had spent a little bit more time, you know, being out there, connecting with people, following up, making sure that I was 
maintaining and sustaining those relationships rather than just, you know, applying for the job online um, or putting my head down and working hard. I think we, we often underestimate the importance of network and relationship building. And if we look at the research, it's one of the core reasons uh, women are at a disadvantage when it comes to senior leadership. It's that they don't have the advocates at the highest levels of these organizations advocating on their behalf and um, making sure that they have the stretch opportunities and roles that are going to allow them to develop. So I, I see that now having done the research and just seen how that has played out in my own life, but I wish I had started a little bit earlier. And I, I meet a lot of young women now who just seem to have this innate understanding that that is really important. And I'm, I'm always in awe uh, that they, they get this and they've got it, you know, a decade before I did. What are your closing words of wisdom for young women around the world that know that they want to make their mark on the world, but they aren't sure how quite yet? especially if they're considering taking a leap like you did, what advice would you have for them? First is just recognizing and understanding that your voice is important and it is powerful and it is necessary. You know, went through all the statistics earlier that there are so many gaps, gender gaps, and we need women's voices to be part of the public discourse and part of the conversation that's happening at every single level in our society. Uh, and if I could, you know, steal the words of a woman who's incredibly inspiring to me, would just love to end with a quote um, from Audre Lorde. And the quote is, when I dare to be powerful, to use my strength in service of my vision, then it becomes less and less important whether I am afraid. listening to the Women in Diplomacy podcast. The theme song for this podcast is called Misty Moses, and it's by the artist Rodrigo y Gabriela. Use of that recording is graciously provided by RubyWorks Records in Dublin, Ireland. For more information and to download more music by Rodrigo y Gabriela, check out theforeignpolicyproject.org.